Let's enjoy this ongoing message by Sam Adeyemi. All right, so let's continue from where we stopped the last time. Uh, we've been getting, I mean, awesome, awesome comments on what we shared on fulfilling your assignment. And we said that, yeah, your assignment has to do with serving, it has to do with work, it has to do with some activities, but being precedes doing. And we were exploring how special we are, how our lives were designed by God, and how we are miracles walking on two legs. That was a big blessing to me, by the way. Anyway, so today let's move on. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, New Living Translation. Mark 10, 45, New Living Translation. Are you ready? Let's go. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's it. Fulfilling your ministry. We say something in this Star Christian Center that I'd like to say again today. Your life is too small to be the purpose of your life. So we were discussing the last time about how incredibly blessed, gifted we are. And we just like to emphasize the fact that all of those endowments that God gave us and that God gave you, are too much to be expended on only you. Will you spend your life or will you invest it? That's the question this morning. Will you spend all those resources or will you invest them? Your assignment on this planet is tied to service. It is tied to your capacity to meet needs in other people's lives. Whatever it is God designed for you to be, you were designed to add value to others, to solve problems for others, to meet needs in the lives of other people. So we said the starting point is receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins, and then receive a change of nature. That's the starting point. But then, when you ask God for forgiveness and he forgives you, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes to live in you. And the Holy Spirit can never leave you the same. (laughs) He can never, ever leave you the same. I mean, the third person of the Trinity is living inside you he is motivating you. He's inspiring you. He's directing you. Your life can never remain the same again. He brings power into your life. He produces in your life first the character of God. The character of God. Secondly, he produces the competence of God. The capacity of God to make things happen. The Holy Spirit produces the two in your life. Now, both the character and the competence enable you to add value to others. 
Let's talk about your, your character, your capacity to love people, for example. The Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to love people. Remember, God is love. If God is love and you are now created in his image, you are love, personified. The Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to love people. There's a lack of love in our world today. Lack of love. There is a lack of love. The family is the place where the average person should experience love for the first time. Get so much of it, they have enough to share with the community. Satan has attacked the family. The family is becoming dysfunctional. Instead of love, people are experiencing rejection from home. Rejection. Hatred, rivalry, bitterness. Some of the deepest hurts that we will experience in this life will come from the family. So, people need love. Don't underestimate that. Every human being on this planet wants to experience love from other people. So, if you are the person who's developed the capacity to love, I'm telling you, you're going to be a blessing to other people. So when you love someone, what do you do? You value them to the point of being willing to make sacrifices for them. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. 1 John 3, 16. We know what real love is. It's New Living Translation. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now that's amazing. You want to add value to people? Be ready to sacrifice. So the Holy Spirit gives us the capacity to make sacrifices on behalf of other people. Now, when we love people like that, we forgive them. And we give to them. Two dimensions to love forgiving and giving. So when we love people, we forgive them. Why is there so much bitterness in our world right now? Why is there so much hatred? Because there isn't enough forgiveness. Forgiveness is writing off a debt, writing off an emotional debt. When someone offends you, you forgive them. You write off that debt. Here we are. So much bitterness in our world. Husbands that don't forgive. Wives, wives don't forgive. Husbands, marriage breaks apart. Parent does not forgive child. Child does not forgive uh, parents. Family is tearing apart. Neighbors don't forgive each other. Colleagues in the office don't forgive each other. People are hurting all over the place. So if you are that person, therefore, that can forgive and that is willing to give sacrificially, you're going to be adding massive value. We don't try to quantify these things because they're intangible, but I'm just saying to you, You are a world changer when you choose to walk in love. 1 John 3.17 gives us an interesting dimension to it. See, people have needs, intangible needs, including love, including having a sense of belonging, including self-esteem. And when you check the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, those come at the top. You have the basic material needs like food and like security or safety. Those are levels one and two. 
Once you hit level three, they're intangible. Intangible needs. The need for love and belonging, the need for self-esteem, and the need for a sense of significance. Okay? So 1 John 3.17 says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Meeting basic needs, the need for food, need for drink, you know, if somebody needs clothes or shoes here and there, that's where we start from. So the Holy Spirit gives us the character, you know, to add value to people. When you are kind, that's character. And when you are kind, you're adding value to somebody. When you are generous, for example, that's character. When you have the capacity to bear with somebody's weakness, when you can accept someone without conditions, that's character, sir. That's character. Most of us realize people impose conditions on us before they will love us, before they will accept us. You have to be this. If you don't become this, we cannot be friends. When you are the loving person, you can tolerate people. You can bear with people's weaknesses, bearing in mind even you are not perfect yourself. So let's talk about this other dimension of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That first dimension, the character part, we describe the qualities the Holy Spirit produces in us as the fruit of the Spirit. But this other part we describe as the gifts of the Spirit. I want to remind you that you are specially crafted by the hand of God. You are God's masterpiece. And you have been specially equipped to solve problems for people. Specially equipped by God. Uniquely packaged together to be able to meet needs in people's lives. The Holy Spirit equips you with a personality or temperament. And with gifts, or we call them talents, that enable you to solve problems in a unique way. Wow. So for a start, you need to know your temperament. Sometimes we choose to use personality. But at the basic level, it's the temperament. You need to know your temperament. You know why? Because it describes your unique wiring for solving people's problems or meeting needs in people's lives. Know your temperament. You may be choleric. The choleric is the goal-oriented one. Extroverted. They don't, they're not shy. I've built relationships with people quickly. But the important thing is, they have this capacity to mobilize people to achieve a goal. And they usually don't take no for an answer. You may be sanguine. You may be sanguine. Super extrovert. Super friendly. Super exciting. Live of the party. Make friends easily. Listen, God wants to use that. 
You were wired for a purpose. God wants to use it. You may be melancholic, intro, deep introvert, super introvert. You gain energy, you build up your energy by being alone. And you are creative. That's it. The melancholic is creative. Creative in the arts, creative in music. You know, usually an inventor. You know, super introvert. And you have the phlegmatic. The nicest. (laughs) The mildest of the temperaments. Fantastic with details. They make very good accountants or thrive on any job that requires mastery of the details. Usually neat, organized, and no stress. They hate stress. Okay, now, each of those temperaments, you know, is designed by God for a purpose, designed to meet some specific needs. You want to know how you are equipped to solve problems for people, to meet needs in people's lives. Check your temperament. Check the strengths of your temperament. And check the weaknesses of those temperaments. You need to know yourself. You need to, listen, when you buy an electronic equipment, what do you do? You read the manual. You buy a car, you want to read the manual. Because you want to understand all the features. You want to understand the investment of thought, the creativity, the innovation that got into the making of the car. If you don't know what the special features are, you cannot enjoy them. So you want to understand this this equipment called you. (laughs) So you want to check, you want to study those temperaments, you want to study yours especially, you want to know what your strengths are, you want to know what your weaknesses are. What do you want to do? You want to leverage the grace of God to manage the weaknesses. And then you want to develop the strengths to extraordinary levels because that's what you've got to give your world. That's what you've got. If, let's say, as a sanguine, you like to talk, then what you want to do is to study communication. Why? People don't like to buy raw food or raw goods. It's the refined one, the one that you have added value to, the one that has been processed into a usable state. That's the one people like to pay a lot of money for. So you want to take this, your raw gift, and you want to develop it. If you are melancholic, then you want to develop your thinking ability, since that is your strength. You want to understand how the mind works. So that's what I'm talking about. Develop your strengths. Develop your strengths. And then always call on the Holy Spirit to help you to manage the weaknesses. And that brings me to what we call gifts or talents. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. You have innate gifts. And then you you have the ones that come after you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit fills you up. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit uses them, activates them. 
You want to find out what your gifts are because it is those gifts that make you a genius. Find your genius. Find your genius. Talents enable you to achieve extraordinary results when you put in just the same amount of effort as other people put in. You just find out that you get extraordinary results. Okay, so I studied to be an engineer. I was working my first job on a construction site. And then um, the signs were showing already that I'm called to ministry work, to serve in God's house, and to teach other people. Because I was teaching Bible class, and whenever I did, people liked to belong to my group. There was just something different about the way I would take my Bible study class. But I insisted on going to get work on the site. Why? Because of the money. I needed the money. The family needed the money. So I went on the site. Well, I did not stay there for long. I did not stay there for long because I enjoyed doing the teaching and the ministry work than I did the site work. One day something went wrong on the site, okay? Something went wrong on the site. And my director was very angry. So he confronted me. I was not the only one on the site. <laughs> we had supervisors. I even had a senior engineer, although he was not around at that time. My director was angry. He said, Mr. Adeyemi, I don't know what the problem is with you. You sit down in the site office. Things are going wrong on the site. And you're there. You'll be entertaining visitors. So I thought, what does it mean? And you, know, you can't talk back at your director, right? Okay, so, or else you lose your job. But I went home thinking, that was not fair. What does he mean by that? What does he mean that I was entertaining visitors on the site? Is it not just a few people that came for counseling on the site? As I was saying that, I saw where the problem was. (laughs) The construction site is not a place to do counseling. So it dawned on me. That as much as I wanted to go to the construction site, my real customers still followed me there. So (laughs) I began to pray. And it was just obvious. I was like fish out of water. I was born into the family of building contractors. My grandfather was a building contractor. My dad was a building contractor. I was a director already in his business. That's why I chose to do civil engineering. That was not my area of genius. So the day I was leaving the site, they, they had this send-off party for me, and each person stood to talk about me. And, you know, one of my bosses said, honestly, Mr. Deyemi, I don't know what is going on. For a young man like you, with brilliant prospects, the good career ahead of you, to live such a good career and to go into religion. I don't understand it. And he wasn't even a Christian. So, But afterwards, when I was to respond, I said to them, 
that I really appreciated their concern. I clearly understood what they meant. I said, but I have discovered an area of life where I function like a computer. I said, don't worry about me. In a few years' time, you will hear about me. Why was I able to say that with confidence? Because I had discovered an area where I function with ease. My mind works in a particular way. I see things in a particular way. But then when I express myself, it has this impact on people. I have my mind processes information in a particular way. I can handle complex information, but then I can process the information and bring it down to simple steps that the average person can apply. I'm impatient with theory that people cannot apply to their lives. Okay, so I can, this is my definition of genius. The inventor or innovator that is a genius handles the complexity but delivers the product to the end user in simplicity. I don't have to understand the technology behind the iPhone or the iPad or the iMac. I just need to be able to either punch or click. And it should work. I should hear my music. That's, that's the proof that geniuses work on the product. It's the same thing. If music is your thing, I mean, you sing, people just turn around and say, what was that? It's the voice. You did not construct it. God put it there. It's a gift. It works easy. Okay? So, so, and, and it works in different ways like that. Some, it's art. For some, it's inventing things, you know. For some, it's crafting things together. For some, it's kinetic intelligence. It's in the use of their body. It just so happens that for some people, I mean, look at Usain Bolt, for example. Look at his physique. Look at his design. On a normal day, somebody as tall as that should not be able to run that fast. Okay, but he's being wired differently. For those of us that love soccer, you look at Cristiano Ronaldo. Sometimes he scores a goal and then he rolls up, he pulls up, you know, the shots and points to his leg. Because he has been scientifically analyzed and they found out it's the construction of the muscles in his leg that gives him the strength, helps him to jump high, and when he hits the ball, puts power behind the thing. We read the story of Dr. Ben Carson in the book Gifted Hands. And what was it? He found out his own genius. Even though he's a doctor, there are doctors and there are doctors. For him, it's the eye and hand coordination that is his area of genius. So, he went into pediatric neurosurgery. That's doing brain work for children. If you do surgery on the brain, you know you must not miss one vein, or if not, you can paralyze somebody, get somebody paralyzed for the rest of their lives. But that was his area of genius. And the world heard about him when he led a team and successfully separated Siamese twins that were born with their brains joined and successfully separated them and the two of them stayed alive. That's what I'm talking about. You know the beautiful thing about this? You have your area of genius. And I'm saying that as a Christian, the Holy Spirit actually empowers you, equips you to be able to serve other people when you find your area of genius like that. All right? So, my encouragement today, 
discover, develop, release, and maximize your gifts, your spiritual gifts and your talents. If you read Romans chapter 12, verses 4 to 10, New Living Translation, Romans 12, 4 to 10, let me give you an example. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach them well. Teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. This is amazing. Look at the different kinds of gifts there. So that's what I'm saying. Listen, we may even not have identified yours. Yours may not have a name. But if you know there's a particular area in which you function specially, you get special results, what you say or do has special effect on people, identify, develop it. The world needs you there. Move to the area of your genius. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Can you see that? <laughs> Wisdom. It's a gift. It's the area of genius for some of us. When I run my tests, wisdom comes first for spiritual gifts. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a mess- message of special knowledge. You just know something without anybody telling you. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. You just believe that things are going to happen. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to design whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Wow. Somebody say with me, I am gifted. You know, most people can't say that. They believe they are ordinary. They believe they are average. They celebrate gifts and talents in other people's lives and believe that they are inferior. Perish the thoughts. Perish the thought. God never made a failure. Yeah? Appreciate and celebrate other people's gifts, but excuse me, look at yourself. You are loaded. Help me to tell someone sitting next to you, you are too loaded to fail. Say with me, I am gifted. I am a genius. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord. You are an incredible being. Uh, um, at our ministry school in Daystar Christian Center, we have tests, psychometric tests that we run on you that help you to discover all this. So if you've not been to our ministry school, well, you need to do the membership school first, 
and then the maturity school. If you've done those two, please come to the ministry school. Let's help you find your genius. Finally, a widow ran to the prophet Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 4 and said, my husband died. He was owing a lot of money. The creditors have come to take my two sons. I lost my husband. I'm about to lose my sons. Help me. The prophet said, hold on, woman. What do you want me to do for you? Ah, Then he said, quickly, he added, tell me, what do you have in the house? The woman said, your handmaid has nothing except a small jar of oil. He said, that's what I'm asking about. We always have this tendency to trivialize what we have. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Somebody else's life is always special. Our lives are also as special. Woman, you're the one underestimating the value of the oil. He said, go to your neighbors, borrow empty vessels as much as possible. Don't borrow a few. When you come, jam the door, close the windows, then do something crazy. Take that small jar of oil and pour the oil into those large barrels. It did not make sense. But the moment she started, there was a miracle flow. There is something in you that God put there to meet the emptiness in other people's lives. You need to pour it out. I prophesy in the name of Jesus. This is your season of miracle flow. Some years back, over two decades now, I went on radio. I was studying hard to find out to succeed. And then I was praying for breakthrough. God said, no, you go on radio, teach people how to succeed. I said, why should I teach people how to succeed? I'm not successful yet. He said, it's not your success that gives you the authority. It's the fact that I told you to do it that gives you the authority. Do it. The moment I took my small jar of oil, my teaching gift, and the little knowledge I had of success principles went on radio, it was boom. I didn't realize millions of people were empty barrels for the little bit that I thought I knew. Turn the focus away from yourself. You will not find that genius. That gift will not come into operation as long as your focus is on yourself. It's time for us to serve other people, and we are incredibly gifted already to do it. I prophesy in Jesus' name, if you have not found what your gifts are, this season you will find your genius in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray for the person under the sound of my voice who says, Pastor, pray with me. My relationship with God is not okay. I need to start from there. I need God to forgive me my sins. Can you please put your hand on your heart where you are? That's the starting point. I want us to pray together. We'll receive forgiveness from God. He will remove the nature of sin from us, put his own nature in us. That's the starting point. For me, that was it. I I was an engineering student when I said this prayer. And then I found that whenever I knelt down to pray, it would be like, it would be like somebody pressed play in my imagination. And I'll see myself standing before people to speak. I'm an introvert. I don't like to talk. But because the Holy Spirit was now inside me, he led me to my area of genius. If you're that honest person, can you put your hand on your heart? Please say this after me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus paid for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and to accept me as your child. Thank you for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for our brothers and sisters that said this prayer. And thank you because their sins are forgiven right now. Thank you, Lord. The nature of sin is removed from them. Your own nature is in them now. And the Holy Spirit has filled them up. Heavenly Father, begin to inspire them like never before. Direct them like never before. 
Pour your love into their hearts like never before. Teach them to love you and to love other people. In Jesus' name.